0: Welcome to episode 543 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and I do appreciate you right off the top taking time to care about a round of 32 Copa del Rey match on a Sunday, on a weekend nonetheless. An odd fixture, an odd match having watched it, but another opportunity to ask Xavi, what is the plan? What is going on with this club? Before I hit the five headlines, always appreciate it if you could subscribe to the channel, give a nice podcast rating, or help out the show through the merch store or by joining the Patreon. All right, let's dive in, though, the five headlines from Barcelona's 3-2 win over UD Barbastro. Headline one is maybe a few conclusions. I always try to be careful, and you know this, I always try to be careful about drawing conclusions and big sweeping ideas from these Copa del Rey matches because there are plenty of excuses when things don't necessarily go the, the big team's way. The field was suspect. You could see that right away. You just want to say, don't get injured, and of course, Barcelona failed at that task, but 6,000 in attendance, with how close the fans seem to be to the stadium, there is something about momentum and that fight and slaying the giant. I always want to say that there is some kind of cup magic that does exist. And so it's not supposed to be easy regardless of all the circumstances and the talent divide. You can even see in watching the match the low camera angle. And as someone who's broadcast from different places here in the United States and different stadiums of different sizes, that when you get that low camera angle, that means that the cameras aren't up in the press box, that there is not really an official place. And I can tell you the booth that the commentators are speaking from is usually just kind of a shed looking wood something. So with the low camera angle, it tells me exactly that even if that camera is on the roof, that it is not very high and it was all hands on deck and the people in the broadcasting world, because even then there are only so many outlets at those places. There are only so many places to hardline your internet for to get the signal out. So I do think about the broadcasts that I do from stadiums and arenas like that, and there is a little bit of cup magic there, I'll tell you that. What isn't magic, maybe bad juju, was the fact that Josep Bartomeu was in attendance. So yeah, of course, that's a little bit of a sneer that Kules could give right off the bat. Even recent history said that the only conclusion that can be made is how Barcelona can struggle in the round of 13. It hasn't been simple in recent years. This is another one added to that list. Intercity, Cultural Leonesa, Linares, Cornea. None of those round of 32 matches, dating back five, six seasons, have been a cakewalk. Barbastro are a fourth division side, a whole division below Barca Athletic. And that's why I would have liked to see a little more rotation. Casado for De Young, I would have been just fine with that from the start. But instead you got Fort on the left, Koundé on the right, Remeu was back in there because he's not necessarily a player that Xavi's trusting in any other competitions. And then Laminya was missing because of a two-match ban after a red card last season with a youth version of the competition. Also speaking of the youth version, the Copa del Rey youth version of this had Mark Giu also having a hat trick down there today, making me wonder why he was down there at all. Physically, he is far superior to other 17-year-olds, but I still think a hat trick is a hat trick, and I'm not too concerned about his minutes with the first team this season because of just how young he is. Now, if he was 19 years old or 20, sure, maybe, but he's just 17. So I think it made more sense to have him play in that game and give Jao Felix Ferran Torres and Rafini, an opportunity to get some confidence, which we saw wasn't even a guarantee in this one. That should have been the plan, and I'm fine with it. And then Ford, of course, getting the start at left back out of position because there were no other left back options. Baldi was sick, Marcus Alonso had the surgery, and Cancelo has that MCL sprain that's going to keep him out maybe for a week or two or more. Headline two is Fermi Lopez impressed. You know, it's always funny, too, when I say no conclusions, and here I am going to be making, we'll say, two or three more conclusions here. But I always try to at least skew to the positive parts of it. So which players picked up confidence as opposed to which players are going to kind of stay in the dumps in terms of their mood and their confidence. So Fermi Lopez, at least, if anything else, is somebody that could have raised his stock a little bit. From that first 15 minutes, though, really nothing to report. What a dull first 15 minutes it was. The highlights were Rafinha skying one over, Romeo having a long shot deflected wide and a free kick from Rafinha that was easily handled by the goalkeeper. But fortunately, by the 18th minute, we were saved something because Barcelona gets the first goal. There was no foul on one side. Araujo brought down Demesa and Barca countered the other way, a long diagonal from De young out to Rafinha. And even though he struggled that being Rafinha to control it and he slipped on the cross, Jafelex Felix either missed it or let it go on purpose. Either way, Fermi Lopez was there for the one-time easy finish, becoming the first player this season for Barca to score in three different competitions. Of course, it's the first Copa del Rey match. So La Liga, Champions League, and Copa del Rey, that's one goal in every competition, with Lewandowski then joining in with the third goal because Rafinha has not yet scored in the Champions League. Why I do think Fermi Lopez was able to impress though today is that there was a lot of space, a lot of possession for Barcelona, of course. And Barbastro wasn't as disciplined, especially in the first half saw it; They weren't as disciplined as other teams, and they were relying quite a bit on kicking Barca out of their rhythm, something that Ferran Torres was quite irritated with, you could see. But Fermi Lopez did really well in the spaces, working off the right side and then gliding over to the left on the rare occasion that Barca attacked down the left. I think it was summed up to me in the 49th minute. Good turn by Fermi Lopez to win a free kick, and he was really bright on the ball too. Probably the one player who can say they deserved more minutes after this game in totality. De Young was also getting a lot of time on the ball. He delivered one for the head of Fermi Lopez, couldn't redirect it with enough power to get a brace, but still a good showing from Fermi Lopez. And for De Jong, I wasn't as impressed in the first half. I thought he had a lot of time on the ball, wasn't really doing well with it, but things did turn around for him in the second half. And there was for Barcelona, everything coming down the right side with Rafinha and Koundé. Fort barely having to come forward at all, but he did defend well, kept his width, Exactly what he was asked to do in that first half. I thought he was also strong in his positioning when dealing with the rare Barbastro diagonal. So, again, good showings from Fermi Lopez, and I'll talk a bit more about Hector Fort in a minute. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen, or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol, or Piquet and Mascherano, or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough and as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season, you hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention, those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is a global force behind all Birds, Rothies and Linen and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com tbpod now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com tbpod.
1: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: Headline three was not Zhao's day. Here's some more negative because, as I said, we cannot try to extrapolate any major conclusions, but Zhao Phelps' performance, that feels like something to remember and not in a good way he had a hard time getting involved in the game in the first half. Then he had a weak free kick under the wall in the 35th minute. The first time, yeah, he's on the ball. Hopefully he could turn something there, but yeah, it just wasn't working. And this is kind of in the first half where I'm not making an excuse for Zhao Felix, but I, I didn't think De Young's vertical passing was great in that first half. There was quite a few moments when Zhao Felix or Ferran Torres had space and a nice little through ball would have done the trick, but De Young either would get it blocked and he just wasn't disguising his passes. He needed to disguise something to get Jao Felix and Ferran in behind because they weren't really doing much to create their own opportunities either. 42nd minute, Jao Felix probably has something to complain about, the offside. He was well drawn up by Rafinha, and Fermin Lopez on the cross, but Jao Felix just couldn't either hold his run as he was wide open at the back post. At least that's what it looked like. But on the replay, without VAR, he was pretty maybe onside. And that was really frustrating because, yeah, he was able to make something, but then the offside says, no, you don't get anything from it. I think those nerves and frustration from Zhao Felix carried over with the whole team like a virus in the second half. It was a nervy start for them to start the second. Poor clearances from Christensen and then Romeo for allowing the cross to get off as well. And Zhao Felix in the second half too, still rough. He gave up the corner that led to the second goal for Babastro. And just his body language, looking disinterested at times, getting dribbled past, giving it away too easily. Jeff Felix, I think has lost his spot to Torres. There are some reports from the Catalan media, so you don't know how much you can trust that, that he has lost his spot. But now with Vita Roque, you were worried about Lewandowski, but if Vita Roque is going to fight hard and we saw some good stuff from him in the second half, yeah, he didn't score the goal. But now with Vita Roque, Jeff Felix, you might fall down the pecking order. And again, a consistent reminder I do wonder, Cancelo, Jao Felix, that business, is it tied together because of Mendes being their agent? Because if you have to pick just one of them, and even with the money that's unavailable, if Barca is going to go for Esteval Willian or Messino, if they're going to go for him next summer, then don't spend money on Jao Felix. I I think there are different ways to think about this. I see a lot of the pundits saying, I don't want Esteval Willian. But as I've said before, if Barcelona by next summer are going to have a little bit of money to spend, then yeah, you never know what's going to happen. I know he plays the same position at this moment, as lamy they're a similar age. But if you can find future top-level talent at the forward positions, a lot of resale value as well, then you bring him in. Because let's say Barcelona buy Jao Felix and he flops next season, he's going to be on big wages. It's going to be a big number to bring him in. And I think as far as the sunk cost, buying Jao Felix is going to be much more costly to Barcelona in the long run than taking a chance on a player like Massinho. I understand the arguments for no to Messino, but I think those same pundits are almost guaranteeing that Barcelona aren't going to go for João Felix based on his performances. But because of the connections to Mendes and maybe what Barcelona feel like they need to do to get Cancelo in as well, I could say the Barcelona fans, I think, are going to be much more disappointed in bringing João Felix back than for Barcelona not spending money on a defensive midfielder instead going for Messino. Headline four, somebody can cross. All right, let's get back to the game that actually happened instead of talking about the big picture stuff like I promised I wouldn't do. The 2-0, 51st minute, it's a good cross in from Fort. And I said, big conclusions aren't extrapolated even for Hector Fort because based on just this showing, yeah, you'd want to give him a run out in the next few weeks again at left back if Balde is not healthy. And I would trust him at that position just based on what you saw from him today. Finding Rafinha at the back post on a good cross and Coming after Barbastro had a really nice little run of play there, but Fort onto his right in a tidy finish after a one bounce from Rafinha as well. So I thought Rafinha and Fort both had just good showings today. And having watched a ton of Barca Athletic, those kind of goals that you see in the third and fourth division quite a bit is how that goal was scored. Rafinha just at the back post and a misplay from a fourth division side. So good on those two to combine for that goal. And as I said, Hector Fort. This is the kind of thing I would get more minutes from, but it's also a fourth division side. So I don't know. It feels a bit unfair to him that I won't say that it's enough to get more minutes. But I'm glad it was just showing for the young fullback that you can maybe take something from this and have him get a few more minutes after this. 64th minute, Vita Roque and Enrico Martinez on for Rafinha and Christensen. Roque taking up a spot on the wing, started on the right, but then moved to the left once Lewandowski came on, which is good to see that Rita Roque is being trusted by Xavi. Already, we've seen him playing as a number nine, playing on the left, playing on the right, and player that, if he's good enough, he can be on the field no matter where you put him. And then headline five, to round it all out, Brave Barbastro. Credit to them. Sure. Credit to the fourth division side at home. They fought hard. 60th minute. They got one back. The 2-1, De Mesa off the corner. What happened here? Koundé and Christensen got themselves tripped up. And I don't think that was Firmin Lopez's man. But yeah, miscommunications of the box. And the bigger worrying sign, I don't want to blame Inaki Pena for this, but clearly Barcelona on set pieces just do not have the confidence that they have with Ter Stegen. And that does matter quite a bit. You're number one, Ter Stegen, your captain, the guy you trust. And the drop off to Inaki Pena, as I said, on set pieces, in the air, it's that lack of confidence from him does seem to persist throughout the squad. And that's probably the biggest reason why I'd like to see Ter come back whenever he can get healthy. As far as shot stopping goes, I still do trust in Yaki Pena, but it's all the other stuff in the air and commanding his back line that had been a worrying sign for me. 71st minute, here comes Lewandowski and Gundogan on for Jao Felix and Romeu. I already complained about it, but I'll say it again. Hate the fact that Lewandowski and Gundogan had to come into this game when you have the likes of Pau Gubarsi sitting on the bench. Pau Victor, who has scored 11 goals, three assists for Barca Athletic and kind of has deserved a run out in a match like this. Can't see Casado, as I already mentioned. So yeah, frustrating that Those young players had to sit on the bench and watch Barcelona fight against a fourth division side, a team that they, with Barça Athletic, play a whole division up from. And then Inigo Martinez, really frustrating to have him try to get some fitness back, came into the match, made a lot of sense instead of Pau Barsi, but he's gone by the 74th minute. Frustrating to say the least because now it looks like he's going to be out for potentially another month here and Sergio Roberto comes on for him. 79th minute, another corner kick cheaply given away by Gundogan and Kunde. and a failed clearance led to a dangerous header at the near post and Barcelona were playing with fire. 83rd minute, a really fortunate chance for Ferran Torres in behind, but he couldn't get out of his feet. And that one plus the Vita Roque almost getting his opening goal on the 89th, collecting a through ball, but his shot being blocked by the keeper, Arnau Fabrega. Both of those felt like it was the pitch, the way that the ball got stuck because it was a good ball in behind. The ball floated well to both Ferran Torres and Vita Roque finding that space, but then the ball kind of just dying on the pitch there. So yeah, credit to the goalkeeper. Fabrega was good off his line, strong off his line and deserved to make those saves. But in the same regard, I think the pitch had a big thing to do with Farron and Roke both not being able to get the ball out of their feet. The 3-1 though, 87th minute, a handball. Unlucky for Babastro, but I think Javito had his arm in an unnatural position above his head on the jump with Lewandowski. Lewandowski makes a penalty afterwards with a slow run-up, waits for the keeper to commit, and passes it into net. Easy for Lewandowski. But then 93rd minute, here comes a 3-2. A few ugly fouls late by Barcelona, again, kind of turning off mentally, looking lazy. And Barbastro got a penalty kick themselves when Fermin Lopez committed a clumsy foul, putting a kind of a negative stink on what was a good day for him inside the box. And then wild scenes as Mark Pratt just slammed the ball into the top of the net. Iñaki Pena, don't blame him for that. Wasn't saving it at all. And what that meant with that goal coming back, I think if it's 3-1, maybe it's a different tune, but the final score does matter. 3-2 means that it's now 20 games, 20 games, none of which for Barcelona had they been able to win by more than a single goal. Even the Copa del Rey against a fourth division opponent should have been an easy win, a comfortable win, and it was not. So any questions, a 3-0, not to say it would have quieted anything because I don't think anyone would have taken major positive conclusions after this kind of win. But 3-2 means those side eyes and questions for Xavi, they're going to continue and they're going to persist heading into the Spanish Super Cup. So nothing has changed. <laughs> it's just a 3-2 win and Barcelona moving on to the round of 16, the Copa del Rey. Well, I guess the only bright side from the game, the only conclusion is just like in recent Copa del Rey history, they were made to suffer against a fourth division or third division side, but they move on in the competition. And yeah, I guess that's all you can take from it. Another match on Thursday, I'm not sure if there's going to be a podcast in between that. And so if I don't get anything out, I do want to make mention the Peña Blagrana in London. Unfortunately, on Thursday, they lost their venue where they watch the bar and co where they watch their games. So there is some crowdfunding going on for the Boat Barra and co. So if you want to contribute to that and help out the Peña in London, and you want to help out a friend of the podcast and the Peña in London and help them out with that fundraiser, you can find that down in the link or the description below. So as always, until next time, remember, we are one community. It is one big Kool-Aid family. And as always, until next time, Forza Barzak.
1: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming,